When should I quit my job? How can I avoid getting sued for plagiarism? How do I create an info product? And who gets which armrest when flying on a plane? In this episode, we're going to reveal our answers to all these, plus many more reader-submitted questions. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. Hey, I'm Gail. And welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Uh, today, we're turning the reins over to you and answering your listener questions directly. This is going to be an Ask Me Anything type episode where we really do answer anything and everything you've asked us. Um, oh, by the way, I just wanted, before we get started, I just wanted to say I have a new microphone, guys. Uh, it's been like two episodes. I know some people have complained that uh, I was recording podcasts from my cave. Uh, that hopefully should sound a little bit better to you now. So uh, sorry for that. It certainly sounds better to me. So um, we're we're going to be running these kind of ask me anything style um, episodes fairly regularly. So if you have a question that you want to ask us, head over to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask and submit it there. Can be absolutely anything. I mean, most of them are obviously to do with running an authority site. Um, but you know, if you want to ask us a personal question or something about you know work or travel or anything like that, what go, can I send you ahead. gifts? That kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. You can you, definitely you ask. ask, and we answer. Yeah. Um, so, without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the first question today. Uh, by the way, all these questions came from uh, our pro Facebook group. Um, so they're all from all from pro members. But you don't have to be a pro member to to submit them in future. Um, so the first question is from Mark Whitley, and he's asking, at what point do you know it's right to quit your job? So what uh, do you think? <laughs> I mean, for us, it's really, it's like for me, I had a... Uh, sorry, I'm answering, by the way. Should you answer? No, 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 no. It's Okay. It's like for me, I had a job for six months in my life, and uh, I was living in London, and I had three pounds per meal to eat. Um, otherwise, I was losing money because the rent was so high and the startup was paying so little. So honestly, the right point to quit my job was like from the day I started. Um, so <laughs> it was pretty bad. So, but like I think in general, you 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 never like there's you rarely reach the point where you make 10k a month before you actually quit your job. Um, yeah, I I don't think I know a single person who's you know worked on their worked on their site or worked on any kind of business. You know, while they've been, you know, had had a job, and then it's gotten so successful that they've quit. Yeah, they've always quit and then made it. Made it it's successful. kind of like the dream scenario that everyone's waiting for, yeah. but that never ends up happening. The yeah. truth is, you're pretty tired after your job. It's like you can't get that much done on your site, apart from maybe the weekends, if you are working a full day job and if it's a pretty demanding job, which uh, most jobs are these days, just because it, like, you know. People want to get uh, something for their money. So it makes sense for them. But it's true that you will progress much lower. So you kind of need to make time to actually get to that point where you make good money. But to make time, you actually need to give up money from your job. And, you know, unless you, you, you know, have a part time job, it's going to be complicated. I think my, my solution for that is something I'm looking at for my, 
like, you know, my girlfriend has been doing that when she quit her job at the bank, you know, it's, she started just selling her time per hour. So she not just, she didn't just start her site, but she also uh, started being a freelancer, right? And that is kind of a way to work still and still have income if you don't have a lot of income from your site, while at the same time being able to take time to work on your sites. I don't know, like, I think that is, if you're a little bit afraid of, like, if you don't have savings, if you need money to pay for your bills, etc., uh, and if you can't reduce your cost of living, I think looking at being maybe learning one part of link building or link building, that's a good, one part of online marketing. And I was going to suggest link building, uh, and then selling that as a service on top of running your sites is definitely uh, a good way to kind of like limit the risk when you get started. But also know that if you, uh, spend too much time being a freelancer, then you won't have enough time to work on your sites. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I'm not. I, I yeah, I, I know don't, what you're saying, I don't but... really think that uh, going the freelance route is. I mean, that's that's what I did essentially. It's a safer way of doing but, it, you know? and it is a safer way of doing it. But I don't think it's the optimal way of doing it. Um, I think you're you you don't really get you're kind of buying yourself a little bit more time, or, or at least you think you are. But uh, in reality, I think it's just putting off. You know what needs to be what needs to be done in a way. I, I think like there's never a right time to quit your job, and if you're thinking about it, if you basically if you wake up every day for you know six weeks and you think yeah I need to quit my job and do you know work on this business, then do it. Uh, the, the way I always think about it is like what's the worst that can happen? Generally, when you really think about it, you end um, up working with a French guy. You know? The worst thing that can happen is you try something. It doesn't work, and you go back to doing pretty much something like you're doing exactly at the moment if you have a job. So in that sense, there's no risk whatsoever. When I had a full-time job, I was thinking, you know, like, okay, what, what, what realistically could happen? And like, well, I'm gonna go travel, and I'm gonna go try and do this online marketing stuff, and you know, I had all all these ideas. But you know, the worst worst case is I go do all that, have a bunch of fun learn a bunch of stuff and come back and walk into another job doing something, you know, equally as boring as I was doing at the time. If you're a smart switched on person, which from listening to this podcast, you you, you better be, um, you'll have no problem finding a job. So, I mean, what, like, don't worry about it. Yeah, um, I think it's like, it's one of these cases where it's actually easier when you have a shitty job, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, there's this thing that says like, good is the enemy of great. Yeah, and um, and it's true. Like, if you have a good job, you're making good money. Uh, it's it's much harder to generate that kind of income from from a web property, especially at the beginning. Uh, and at the same time, you know, it's harder to find something like that. Therefore, you know, you're actually risking something by quitting. So it really depends on like how how you feel about your job and how how, how lucky you feel to have it. If you feel like it's something you don't want to do, then Honestly, the worst thing that can happen is you just get something else you don't want to do, um, which is going to be exactly the same. And if it works out, it's like a big leap forward. But if you have a job you actually like that pays well, then yeah, I understand it's a little bit more difficult. But honestly, it's just it, in the end, it's like if you really want to do that, just do it because actually you don't have that many years in your life to to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you're never going to go hungry. You're you're never going to go homeless. Like, yeah, it's hard to fail. Actually. It's you can always get a job. Anyone can get a job at McDonald's. But you can survive off of that, and then you can start another site or start another business. And while you're while you're doing that, uh, there's really 
even if you don't think it, there's always this kind of human safety net at the at the bottom. Like you can you can make this work. Um, so honestly, like sooner rather than later, I think is is the answer. Okay, yep. let's move on. Um, the next question is from, I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrongly, uh, OP or OPH. Um, not quite sure. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Um, and he asks, how do you avoid plagiarism in content creation? So I assume this is when you know yeah, you're you're hiring, yeah, writers. How do you make sure they're not um, they're not plagiarizing the content? So uh, should I answer or should you answer? Um, either or, you know. I think we we uh, both answer. Um, okay. My my thoughts on this are there's two two parts to it. Um, one is the actual written content, which is very easy um, to check. I mean, you can do a very quick check for free just by you know. Uh, copying and pasting a paragraph or a couple of sentences in parenthesis and um, searching on Google, you know, just see if he's lifted that, uh, uh, lifted any of the, the copy directly. Um, or you can use a service like Copyscape, uh, which is, I think, like four or five cents per check. Yeah, um, I actually have a better one. Uh, Grammarly now does that, actually. Okay, cool. Um, so, like, you know, especially if you're not a native speaker, Running the content you outsource through Grammarly is a great way to improve it, this, like, no matter how good your English is, essentially. And at the same time, there is a plagiarism checker. If you have the desktop app, you can just turn it on, and it's actually going to show you exactly the sites uh, each sentence come from, comes from, sorry, uh, even uh, if it's been copy-pasted. So it's actually uh, just a good step for your outsource content in general, Grammarly, actually. And I think that um, I think it's fairly easy with with written content to to sort of find that. Where it gets a little bit more tricky is with images, because I know I know these days a lot of uh, a lot of people when they're outsourcing content will sort of outsource the whole kind of not just the the words but the the images, the imagery that goes along with it, especially with things like list posts and uh, all this kind of stuff, and it. it the truth, truth be told, it can be quite difficult to figure out where the images, you know, originally came from, um, or who owns the original. I mean, images on the internet as are a mess in general, you know. Yeah, I mean, like no, everyone steals images from everyone. Nobody's really quoting the source. Uh, you don't know what the rights are. There's nothing in the file that tells you the, what the rights are. It's and even even if there's right, nobody cares about them. Even if some, what can what I've also heard of happen before is someone will take an image which has copyright on it and then sell that image to a stock image site yeah. and then people buy that image from the stock image site supposedly legally and then the original rights holder sues the end person yeah um, it's, another funny thing as well for us is um so we've used a lot of like stock images while paying for it on health ambition and i've seen many times people take these stock images and then link to us as the source you know yeah and then we start being a source for a stock image for some reason. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy actually um, how how the whole thing works. Um, in, in general, and again, this is not our official legal advice, so don't come blaming us yeah. if you get sued for this. But in general, use a stock image site for for stock images. I highly recommend Deposit Photos. I think like twice a year, AppSumo run like a really really good promo um, where you can buy like a hundred images for. 50 bucks or no 30 bucks or something like that yeah i mean uh, it's, it's like really good value um, and they don't expire so yeah uh, look out for those but use a stock image site 
what, if you're really worried about stuff, what you can do is you can actually uh, just download the image and then go to Google Images and then upload the your image into Google Images there into the search bar. Like you literally just drag the file over the search bar in your web browser and it will reverse image search and look to see if that image appears elsewhere. And then you can identify all the other sites where, where it's on. That Again, yeah. that only works if it's a direct copy paste of the image. Um, yeah, it's like also like it's hard to tell which one's the original sometimes, yeah. Yeah, um, what you want to watch out for there mostly are if it's like a, a magazine or like any kind of, uh, you know, journalistic website or photography website. Um, there is, I forget the name of them, there's a company which basically has, they, I think they sell a lot of photos to magazines. Um, you know, they have like professional photographers going around and they um, they actually have like a team which looks out for people who are quote-unquote stealing these images and using uh, getty images getty images that's the one uh they're called something different in the uk but basically they they try and extort you by like issuing a, a fine from not a, any legal entity but their own com- company called like the image standards board or something <laughs> just to make it seem like an official thing and you know they'll try and get like a thousand dollars out. basically of a giant scam running yeah. online um, but if you actually look into it in more detail, you know, it, it's a bit, it's a lot of hassle to fight it, but they're just looking to make a quick buck and they don't really follow up with any uh, any kind of strong legal means. Um, there are a few cases I've heard of people getting sued, you know, like $10,000 or something for these kind of things. If you're a small site, it's... it's yeah, really, you know it was that time usually. Exactly, exactly. So it's something that, it's one of these things that like... Everyone or almost everyone breaks the law officially on this, but you know, uh, there, there's like letter of the law, and there's like you know, not being a dick. Like, don't just blatantly. It's like a law that's been people's... voted without understanding the internet. Exactly. Like many other laws. Exactly. Anyway, to get back to uh, content creation and like text content, also think about who you're hiring. Like, if you're hiring like a dodgy guy on a forum, you know, chances are you will probably get some duplicate content. Uh, if you're hiring someone with credentials in your niche that has a regular blog that you know, knows what they're doing, etc., chances are you probably will get a lot less duplicate content. Like, just trust your gut on who you're hiring. You know. Okay, so this next question, um, I forget who who submitted this actually, but um, it was asking about minimalism and like, I, I think the gist of it was what are the the like the least know, amount of steps, main yeah. things you need to focus on because you know there's. All these different things you could be doing, but starting creating an authority site, what what's like really going to move the needle? What are the key things you need to focus on? Okay, uh, I'll do that actually. I think the key it, it depends on the, the steps themselves. They're going to depend, right? It depends on your business model, and we're going to talk about that in a podcast we're recording next. But that is, um, where's the money? That you need to just answer that question. How do you make money, right? Uh, I need to choose, hey, do I want to make money from ads? Do I want to make money from selling stuff through affiliate marketing? Do I want to make money through selling uh, stuff like my own products? And are these products physical or are they informational? Essentially, that's the questions you need to ask. Um, And you should probably, if you want to be going the minimalistic way, you should be going only one way. And if you don't even, if you really want to keep it minimal, don't run your own products. It takes more time. You need to run payment processing. There's more tech, etc. So essentially what you're left with is advertising or affiliate. Um, and just pick one. Don't do both. Just just start with one if you want to be minimal. 
Uh, and a good example is actually my girlfriend right now. She's growing a site and she's grown it pretty fast. And the only revenue she goes after is advertising, uh, which is, uh, you know, you need quite a bit of traffic to make good money from ads, but uh, she's only doing Pinterest. She's not even writing a single word of content or like very little. Like she's just doing image galleries and like basically round up image galleries on her site and using Pinterest to generate traffic. And for all I know, after two weeks, she's over, she's at three to 500 visits per day on the site. Uh, that is a lot more than a lot of people have after a year running their website. And that's because the only one thing she focused on was this Pinterest thing. So one method of monetization, whether that's affiliate or that's uh, advertising usually for the minimal, and one traffic source. And if you go for Google, if you go for SEO, which you probably should if you want to do affiliate, uh, it's going to take more time. It's not like after two weeks, you will not have 300 to 500 visits per day. Uh, but the revenue per visit tends to be higher when you do affiliate. So it depends, but it's also easier to get traffic from non-SEO traffic. So that is what I would do, essentially. I would like do one business model, one content type, one traffic source, and maximize that. I think there's also something to be said for you know focusing on the core activities of, of what you're doing and kind of ignoring all the superfluous stuff like do you really need an awesome you know 99 designs designed logo nah. on day one absolutely not she has a text logo yeah, exactly use a text logo use a basic theme theme design like don't do all any kind of customizations uh, at the start like you don't even need to do like a massive amount of keyword research i i don't think and you don't even need to do things like about us page and branding and anything no. that's non-core um it, it's just just a waste of time so yeah and i'd also say uh what ten, what i see a lot of people doing is they they hear of someone else you know making money from selling x product or doing x kind of offer and then they're like oh, they drop whatever they're doing and then they go and try and pursue that and then they work at it for a bit and then they hear about something else and then they drop what they're doing and they focus on that like no done is better than perfect so like getting something finished is better than making it making it and perfect. any niche and can like, make money honestly yeah, dropping something in the middle of it is never going to never going to succeed especially if you keep doing that and also uh, if you hear people make a lot of money doing certain things, like take that with a pinch of salt. You know, most of the people who are like, oh yeah, I made seven figures revenue last month doing this. It's like, well, yeah, but like, you know, 99% of that was costs. You know, if you're like doing Yeah, that, when they but, buy traffic, like a lot of yeah. PPC marketers will brag about the revenue they make, right? Um, which, which is most likely true. They probably make very, very high sales. But yeah, it's like 90% of the money they make goes back into buying traffic because buying traffic is expensive. Uh, and, and actually, when you bring it back to the, um, the profit, then it's, it's not very far from a guy doing SEO or something else. It's just that, sure, there's high numbers in uh, revenue, there's high numbers in costs, essentially, whereas the guy that does SEO or social media gets a low number of revenue, but low numbers in cost as well. And usually the difference, the profit is actually quite comparable. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's move on to the next one then. Um, Mark McDermott asks, how and when should I create uh, his first info product? So let's I'll say, let you start with that. I, I think the, the when is the first, first point to look at. Um, 
you need to be absolutely sure that you're going to make money from um from from this what most people do is they um they come up with an idea for a product um or they see someone else with a, a similar product and they're like okay yeah i'm just going to do do that and so they spend a lot of time making the making the product um and then kind of like build it and they have this like build it and hope hope they will come mentality mark um, i think we should come clear on this we've done that recently yeah, uh, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> just literally just did this for uh health ambition for for uh three products actually um good job yeah uh well um, we'll explain a lot about that in uh, another blog post i think but um yeah basically you you want to spend you, you think you're, you're not creating a product you're creating a, a sales funnel here the product is just one part of it so you need to have your your opt-ins down you need to have your sales page down and you need to have something that makes money at the end of it um and all you're doing here is switching out the you know something that makes money at the end of it as like an affiliate offer for your own product with the idea that you know you make a bit more money and there's you know there's various other smart things you can do like with when you with your own product like upselling and and all this unless you have like a massive funnel coming in unless you have several lead magnets good sources of traffic and a high converting affiliate sales sales funnel already then don't build your own product it's uh, it's a waste of time um or if you do build your own product you know, i think we need to talk the, about the affiliate how it comes in there you t- know. take the if you do build your own product take the mvp approach Put put up a sales a fake sales page and then see how many people like buy or click to buy uh, your your product and use that as an indicator of whether it's like market worthy or not. Um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, for the affiliate, it's like yeah, usually, especially if if it's an information product, there is another information product on that topic out there, uh, and they may have good sales pages, they may have crappy sales pages, but what you can do is you can take some of that traffic you would get and put it in front of that offer and see how well it converts, how much sales you can generate so that you don't, uh, before you even create a product, you, you have an idea of what kind of conversion rate you can expect, etc. And obviously, when you make your own page, it can be better, it can have all these other things that you can offer, but still, you will get a good idea. Like That's something we were talking about with Mark. It's like you can 2 or 3x a product conversion rates Conversion rate, sorry, but you cannot 25x at it. You know, you cannot. Uh, it's very hard to go to change just small things to an offering and like have exponential growth. You need, you need the core offering is gonna be what's gonna determine your core conversion rate as well. And so, um, and so, yeah, you you can test that. And once you have that, then you build the, the product. And and that's why we do a lot of affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing is essentially paid market research. Where and it's also like a, a lot easier than running your own products, but it allows you to take an audience and put it in front of many many offers that would take you years to build, see what works, and then build for yourself what works. So, uh, when should you create your info products? Well, first of all, you should have a way to get traffic. Um, you should probably build an email list because it's it's just harder to sell if you don't have an email list. Uh, and then after that, you should have affiliate offers that convert well, and then you should create the products based on what converts well for affiliate and swap your affiliate links with your own links. That's it. And in terms of like how you create the product, um, how would you say go about doing that? Um, 
Honestly, I would. It's actually something that Tim Ferriss says. The way Tim Ferriss created the Four Hour Chef, I think, he is he went on the on Amazon and he looked at all these big cooking books from these big chefs and he looked at the the bad reviews and looked at everything that was missing inside their books and just made sure that it would be in his book. So if you actually cover the basic principles of whatever you're teaching, and on top of that, you kind of look at the critique at other products, and Amazon is great for that, and there are e-books about everything there, then you are pretty much covered when it comes to you know knowing what to put in there. Then once you have your table of content, just... Write every chapter like you would write a blog post, and then when you're done, you have an yeah. Idea. I think that's a really key thing. Like when you're creating a, a an info product, it's essentially just a series of blog posts, but in kind of like some kind of order. You know, like people kind of over tend to overcomplicate it in their mind, think, oh, you know, I've got to write all this content, but just like break it down into chapters, sections, subsections. And then just just keep keep you uh, breaking it down further. Workflows dot uh, is a really good tool to help you do yeah. that. And then you know once you've structured it, like the writing, the actual writing it should be the you know, like the easiest part almost. It's figuring out what you're gonna what you're gonna write and where you're gonna write is 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 harder. Um, so yeah, okay, cool. Um, I think I mean that's a pretty big topic. I'm sure we'll cover that again in another. Yeah. These Another, are pretty big topics in general. Uh, probably need to do a blueprint about that at some point in the future, but yeah. Um, okay, next one's from Lionel. He's asking, um, how can you be productive when writing articles? Well, I, I actually, what I just said I'm is... horrible at this. <laughs> what I just said is is the same. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, uh, need, you need I just to, want to say, like, great content is creating banging your head on the wall and pulling your hair, though. Uh, it's like, it it takes questioning yourself basically debating with yourself on every argument you put in your content and then then kind of like put the answer to that debate inside your content as to be productive honestly uh don't try to write all day it's a bad idea i'd say i'd say like uh for me it's like i'm more cre- i'm more creative in terms of structure in the morning than i'm like i just put like i actually put some music and i just write for like two hours but I cannot write more than two hours a day. It's impossible for me. Uh, and I think that you should learn how to break down your day with different types of tasks rather than like be like, oh, I'm just going to do this one thing today. Because you get really, really unproductive when you have to write and you have like the whole day, I think. I think what a lot of people do wrong is they get a piece of paper, or like, not a piece of paper, but you know what I mean, yeah. like Word up in front of them and, uh, and, a, curl and, a, and, and a title and, and just start like, okay, so... How do I, what do I start my introduction? Like, that's the wrong way to do it. Um, I think research is everything these days. Um, you need to look at, you obviously have a topic idea in mind, then you need to look at what other people have written on that, on that topic and like kind of get down. Um, and, you know, computer is not always even the best way to, to get down all your ideas, but just like arrange all your ideas in some kind of way. And it can be your own ideas and other people's ideas. And then like sort them and start arranging them into like, areas which make sort of logical groupings and then each one of those groupings can be like a a part of your article and then you can sort of break it down further into subsections beyond that and then when it comes to actually writing the article it should literally just be like filling in you know all these little subsections i Um, think one thing as well for writing is actually start with the middle of the article so like I'll take an example for Atari Hacker when I write. It's like, you know, how to create great images for your blog. You know, if you try to start writing the intro for that, it's very complicated. But 
if you take the subsection like places where you can find free images for your blog, then that's pretty easy to write, actually. You just need to do your research and put the stuff in there, right? And basically, if you take all these kind of like more technical parts of it and answer that first, then writing an intro to what you just wrote is much easier than actually writing without knowing what's going to come next, you know? Yeah. Okay. Anything else on that? No. Okay. Um, so the last question today is not an internet marketing one. It's from Mark Jenner. And oh, no. He asks, <laughs> um, love your question, by the way, Mark. He asks, who, who gets which armrest on an aeroplane? <laughs> Do you want to give me your thoughts on that first? Well, guy? usually I get both because I'm so scared in the, uh, in the plane that uh, I sweat a lot. And so people give me all the room I need, you know? Um, so that, I get both usually. But what's your answer? Um, <laughs> okay, so you know, I I think there's quite like a there's a proper way to do 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 this, and the, there's like the law of the jungle how it actually happens. So, in an ideal world, um, the person in the middle seat gets two armrests. Uh, the person in the aisle seat obviously gets one armrest and a bit more room. The person in the window seat gets one armrest and a window and a bit more room to to the side as well so yeah give the person in the middle both armrests but in reality it's usually like the biggest most aggressive person who you know like you don't really like it's usually like an old old guy will try and take two armrests um and they, they the way they do it the way they always do it is they sneak from the back so you know if you have your arms a little bit further forward you know you might suddenly find the guy next to you has their, their arm like just right at the back of the armrest and then slowly moves forward and for further and further forward. And you know, of course, you're going to be like taking your table down or, you know, eating some food or doing that. So you, you're, you're not going to have your arm there the whole time. Um, so yeah, that's when it starts to get a bit frustrating. And then you have these like armrest battles. Uh, as I, as I, I think like, you can just address it, them. honestly. Um, oh no, you know, you can't talk directly to someone you're sitting next to you on a plane. That's, that's blasphemy. Yeah, I don't care actually. I'm like, I'm just telling people what I think usually. You know? What? Yeah, your friend. Which is like, so. we're all going to die in a plane, you know? Um, I, what, what I would say though is if you want some more room on planes, here, here are some really good advice, uh, bits of advice. Um, if you're stuck in a cramped seat, take the magazine safety cards. Uh, all that kind of stuff out and put it in the overhead bin. That'll get you an extra few centimeters of room. It makes quite a big difference if you're flying in a budget airline. Um, check seatguru.com to see which seats have um, in-flight entertainment boxes under them. If you're flying on a long-haul flight, mm, that usually happens. Um, what is this IFE box? So, like, um, if if there's a, you know, if if all the seats have TVs in them, if you're flying like long haul. Mm -hmm. Certain rows, usually three rows per plane, will have a box under, like a, a computer, which is driving the um, TVs for those three seats. Um, so, you know, if you're under, if if that's under your feet, then you obviously you have half as much foot room. It can oh, be a okay. bit frustrating. But and SeatGuru.com will tell you which of those rows have it. Have it, so you can kind of like sit in a different one. Um, if you're checking in online and there's two of you. Um, have one person sit in the aisle and one person sit in the window, leave the middle free because nobody is going to deliberately choose to be sat in the middle so that you have a high chance of it being empty. And then, you know, Or you have a you weirdo can, that really likes being between two people. Yeah, <laughs> it's never so happened other, so right? far. You can just have like, um, and then you can just, one of you can switch. The, like that person will always be more happy to sit in the aisle or the window than the middle. No one okay. likes sitting in the middle. Um, 
and lastly, and this is my favorite one, just before boarding starts, go up to the desk and ask them if there are em- any empty rows or any seats with um, nobody next to you, next to them. You know what I mean? So, and they don't care? They're and not they'll, like, oh, they'll, we have to board people, leave us alone. This is what I say, just before boarding starts. Okay. Um, there'll be people at the desk and you know you can go up and ask them and they would check you as in. long as this is not like a budget airline or a short haul flight they're not going to do it but any kind of long haul flight yeah they'll they'll do that and it can still happen because people get moved around for various reasons but usually if unless the plane's full usually um you'll be able to do that and you'll get uh either an empty row or an empty seat no, I usually yeah. just move after takeoff. Actually, that you like, can do that, but that's big risk because everyone else wants to do that, and you get certain people that actually move before takeoff, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. people like me who do this, they've already got the empty row, so you know. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I, mean, I would crawl there. I would never move that fast anyway. <laughs> okay, uh, I think that's that's about everything for today. So uh, once again, if you guys want to ask us a question. Um, head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask and we'll probably do another one of these uh, next month or so. Yeah, we'll probably do one a month or something, just uh, taking questions and uh, yeah, it's kind of fun actually. It's kind of a a refreshing one and we get to address exactly what you want rather than just arbitrarily picking topics. (laughs) Okay, thanks guys. Cool, see you guys later, bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.